the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Spring, a season of new beginnings, new life. And for us as a believer, reminders of the new life we have in him as he gave of his own for us. This Lent, there is so much for us to be thankful for, but at the same time, so much for us to be prayerful for. We have gone through a season of more than two years of the struggles, both locally and globally, related to COVID, and now very much in harmony with warnings we see in Scripture, wars and rumors of wars in diverse places, earthquakes as well. This is certainly a time for the believer to uh, to be focused on the important things in life. We're going to spend some time doing that today with a very special guest. He is Senior Pastor of Kaleo Christian Fellowship, located in Oakland. We're pleased to have join us today, Pastor Russell Dooley. Pastor Dooley, thank you so much for carving some time out to uh, spend it with us today. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. You know, we were just visiting before we came on the air today and, and talking about, boy, the enormous changes that we've all been through in the last couple of years as a result of COVID. And we know certainly at one level there has been um, so much tragedy, so much senseless loss of life. And yet I have to wonder if there's also been a little bit of a, a silver lining, so to speak, in all of this, in that uh, for the first time, maybe in a long time, uh, the world globally has been focused on things regarding life and that leading to questions about eternity and uh, hopefully questions about, is there a God? And if so, what's my relationship to him? Let's talk a bit about the ways in which church is very different today than it was just two scant years ago. How has it changed your ministry there at Kaleo? I think, um, you know, when you consider the changes in reality, they can be fright, they can be frightening or they can be rewarding, depending on what you're focusing on. I wrote this down as you were talking. God has a divine order in the chaos. Mm. And you have to realize, even though the chaos is around us, God is working through the chaos. For an example, uh, God had a divine order, Elijah. He called him in the time of turmoil, in the time of Ahab, in the time of false prophets and false religion. And here this man comes on a scene from nowhere, and he's commanded by God on a mission, and that is to reveal God to a nation that has lost its way. Our focus as pastor is to reacquaint ourselves with God and call upon him in such a way that he will answer from heaven and reveal his power in the hearts to transform them. But as all pastors are doing, this is a divine realignment. So Elijah had to rebuild the altar, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He had to make sure that he was recommitting his faith to the living God. He had to call upon him. So church in this season is completely different than anything you know of because in the chaos 
God is having us rebuilt the altar of devotion to him. And, of course, the irony in all of this is that while we as humankind may have been caught entirely surprised by these events that unfolded two years ago, March, um, they didn't surprise God at all, did they? No, they didn't. In fact, um, if we really were listening, we would see all the signs coming up to this. But, but unfortunately, we're not ready. So just like there's, uh, you get the feeling in our society, there's a reset. There is a world reset. And whatever the enemy had planned for evil, God's plan for good. So, you know, the enemy has a plan. But good news, God has a better plan. Uh, you know, the enemy had a plan to put the three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace. God had a plan to get them out. That's the good news. So do you see implications in relationship to the, the um, shall we say, the fallout of COVID, uh, both at the global stage as well as for the church itself? Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's prophetic in tone and nature where we're bringing it, we're being brought into an end time move. Uh, that has now begun to move to a prophetic timetable, which was not set in place before. I believe this will usher in uh, one world government. I believe it will change the monetary system. I believe all these things are beginning to uh, unfold. And I believe the greatest news of the church is that Jesus has a plan, and that plan has to do with his church, because he said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So no matter what the enemy does, you are assured that God's plan is a perfect plan, and he's going to make that happen uh, in spite of everything else that's going around. You have been involved as a senior pastor there at Kaleo uh, nearly 35 years, and over that time, I'm sure you've seen a lot. I think back to where we were, say, in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Uh, there was, of course, a lot of unrest going on in the Middle East. At that time, there was conversations related to, well, could we begin, be at the cusp of the beginning of the Battle of Armageddon? Folks very much uh, diving deeply into uh, biblical prophecy and, 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 and looking at uh, things related to Russia, Gog, Magog, so on and so forth. Uh, what I find fascinating is that certainly there were even apostles who thought that Christ would return during their lifetime. Here we are 2,000 years later. We're still awaiting his return. And yet I have to wonder... The events that we saw unfolding in the Middle East in the 19, late 70s, early 80s pale in comparison to where we're at today. I mean, it, for me, it's fascinating because in some respects you wonder, well, how could the Antichrist come on the scene? How could be there's this sense of, of, of fooling people um, across the entire globe? And yet, ironically, over the last several years, we've begun to see some signs of just precisely how could this happen? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Russia, we've always had tension between Russia and China, but you've never seen the advance of the Russian army going in Eastern Europe as now. You've never seen Israel having to deal with Iran as now. You've never seen the Chinese build an island in the middle of the South China Sea and threaten the U.S. military as a result of crossing into their waters. You've never seen the tension as you've seen it worldwide now. 
and you realize that it is a different season because you sense a change. It, it's just almost like if you were uh, going outside and you looked up and you see storm clouds coming in and the wind picked up and it began to blow and you, you saw the elements changing. It is a spiritual experience today to see all these signs happening simultaneously all at once to make us realize, boy, uh, God is in the midst of change, but this is culminating to a to to an impact on our society in a way in which we've never experienced before. Uh, you know, we always feared Cold War. We always feared the nuclear war. But today, the possibilities are greater than ever before. And really, what's going on is it's separating the cultural Christians from biblical Christians. And I think that is the falling away in the church. We have those who are true believers who will follow Christ even to the cross. And we've had cultural Christians who've adapted a lifestyle that's more in tune to the culture they're living in rather than the gospel. And I'm glad you bring that up, Pastor, because the Bible does talk about a time of the separating of the wheat from the chaff. And you use the word, and it may be in what you said is the most important word, spiritual, that we, through human eyes, through the lens of the television camera or the news reporting, see this as disputes over land, over territory, over power control, things of this sort. We see all of that from the worldly standpoint, and we think, well, this is yet another war. We haven't seen one on the European continent of this magnitude since World right. War II, but there are degrees to which this is sort of part of the cycle of history. We fight, then we settle our grievances, and we have a time of peace, and then we find something else to fight about. And so it repeats. But this is different, as you point out. And the one key here for those that have an ear to hear, for those that have spiritual eyesight and discernment, is to understand that this is not just physical warfare that we're seeing unfold, but to the greater and grander degree, this is really spiritual warfare, isn't it? It is, and I think that's, that is the part that a pastor is maybe not as acquainted with spiritual warfare. Uh, when you, when God begins to, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, as, as a pastor, you're going to lead people to Jesus. You're going to have an altar call. But there are times in your ministry where you may have to deal with things that people are being oppressed by. I remember a young lady uh, came to my office, and she was bipolar. And, of course, she said that her problem was that she heard voices. And uh, as we talked, I found that her mother took her to a palm reader. And then after the experience with the palm reader, she began to have episodes of hearing voices. And as I sat there and prayed about it, uh, we led her to the Lord. And, uh, and that was great news. We led her to the Lord. And then the second part of that, I said to her, you know, have you confessed faith in Jesus Christ? But maybe the greatest gift that God wants to give you is to fill you with his spirit. And I said, if you will allow him to do that, I believe he will change your life. Well, needless to say, as she opened her heart to receive Christ and receive the Holy Spirit within her, her life totally changed. She actually felt a release. The voices in her head were gone. She was a completely whole person. So as a pastor, you're dealing with these things on the basis like never before. And um, it, it is not something to be afraid of. It's something to be um, aware of and realize that sometimes it's not a physical problem, but it's a spiritual 
If you've just joined us, our conversation today with Pastor Russell Dooley, Senior Pastor at Kaleo Christian Fellowship of Oakland. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Very special guest joining us today. He is the senior pastor of Kaleo Christian Fellowship in Oakland, Pastor Russell Dooley with us. Pastor Dooley, I want to come back to what we were discussing just prior to the break. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in high places. And I'm reminded, too, we, we referred to this earlier on in our conversation, uh, Pastor Dooley, the sense that we would see in the end times earthquakes in diverse places, wars and rumors of wars. We're certainly seeing all of that. We would see a time when men's hearts would fail in them for fear. And, and, and certainly as we see what's going on around us, not just post-COVID, but then added to this layer of complexity. And folks that grew up in the 1960s may very well recall the, the drills, duck, cover, and hold, because we were all concerned about nuclear war. While those were fears that were real fears, we didn't have leaders using the word right and left, as we've seen in the last several weeks. And so, I have to wonder, from the Christian perspective, how, how do we put all of this in context? Because the world certainly uh, has has cause to be concerned. There, there's a, a great reason why people should be fearful, especially if they're outside the bonds of Christ. But specifically for the church, what do you think all of this pretends to? What does this all say to us? Well, it says to us, you you have to be prepared to meet Christ. You have to be prepared to live in such a way where you take your faith serious, that you take your relationship with Jesus seriously, that you're committed to serve him no matter what happens. The good news is that God had uh, an ark for Noah. God has a safety plan for the church. He is not going to allow it to be destroyed. He said that. But as we approach this in time, we've never seen world governments involved with uh, with guidelines to control their population. We've never seen hypersonic missiles that are able to do 10 or 20 times the speed of sound, which there is no defense, by the way, for that type of missile. We've never seen a pandemic that is worldwide that was engineered engineered somewhere where it came out of a a bat and that it would, in fact, infect a human being. There's something about this that has engineered this whole process where we are now being controlled in such a way where we're having to do as the government says. So this is leading us to the final place where God will bring us to a forefront of visitation and victory because he's going to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are committed to him. And I say this with all due respect, we are seeing the fulfillment of the scriptures and any day Jesus could return. We know certainly that scripture talks about a day when judgment will come. And eventually this heaven and earth that we know will pass away. There will be a new heaven and earth. But scripture also tells us that prior to that layer of judgment, that there would be a judgment of the church, uh, that God would come in, which the scripture says, uh, the judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Let, let's talk about that for a moment, if you would, Pastor Dooley, from the perspective of, again, this sense of separating the wheat from the chaff, or or I'm reminded of, of scripture that talks about, I would have, rather have you hot or cold than lukewarm. The day of the cultural Christian, I 
am because I'm born here. I, I consider myself to be, without regard to whether or not I have a fa- active faith, have ever even uh, prayed or accepted Christ. I mean, there there is, as we know, a difference between religion versus relationship. We see a lot of religiosity in the church today. Do you think God is preparing to, uh, to basically call the bluff? I, I think so. I think. You know, listen, at, at, at the days gone by, anyone could be a Christian. It didn't cost them anything. It was comfortable. Uh, there was no really outward appearance of a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, there was no life change. Uh, a person could pick and choose uh, when to obey Christ, when not to. There was very little sacrifice in their lives. And certainly there was no fruit of a life that was changed. Uh, in other words, a person could be a Christian and act like the world. And and I think those are the issues that the church is facing today. To truly be born again is to have the love of Christ in you, number one. Number two is to have the fruit of the Spirit, a love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, temperance. The third thing, there's got to be an evidence of a life that's changed in order for you and I to profess a faith in Jesus Christ. And the fourth thing is to have a crucified life where you're living to do his will rather than your own. I don't remember whether it was Bill Bright or who it was, but once the question was asked, if you were brought on trial and charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I think it's an important question that all of us need to ask of ourselves. And let's put this in proper perspective. Uh, This is not about look at the coming end of the age and there's fear. Nobody wants to perish. And so therefore we go out and much as we buy insurance to protect our home because of a fire or an earthquake, we get insurance, so to speak, to to protect our eternal destiny. But but God, of course, that, that might be a byproduct of what salvation is all about, to be sure, uh, very central. And, and yet what God is really looking for is for individuals to, number one, acknowledge that they have offended him through our deeds, our failures, our thoughts, through the impact of the, the, the horrific legacy of the Adamic sin, but then to surrender to him, accept Christ's substitutionary work on the cross that we might not only be redeemed and saved from eternal damnation, but here's the key to be able to walk in fellowship and relationship with very God himself. And I'm, and I'm wondering if maybe sometimes we as the church, we're not proclaiming that message as strongly and loudly as we ought to. Well, I think you're right. I think we've made Christianity very comfortable and convenient, and, and I, I think it, it affects us. You know, the Bible said, be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. I think in the times of persecution, you're absolutely right. God sets uh, sets us apart from goats and sheep. You know, the word goats and sheep. I, I, I had a struggle with that. You know, I said, Lord, why is everyone uh, that comes to the kingdom not always safe? In the kingdom, there was a great net, as the Bible story says, and a net was thrown out. And great many fishes were brought to the shore. And the angels of God at the end of the world begin to separate the good fish from the bad fish. I think the, the gospel begins to separate people from their concept of living for themselves or living for God. So in this reset, uh, in this, is this, this 
divine alignment, I call it. I couldn't understand it at first, but I realized that God is in the midst of this alignment. Because if you notice, nothing feels normal. Uh, your your church doesn't seem normal. Your your life living isn't normal, and so everything emotionally spiritually and physically is changed and the dynamics of that is that you feel out of alignment and the process of that is to make you come into a place of commitment and surrender to god you know i'm i'm of that kind of belief that um that true repentance comes as a result of a crisis of the heart I believe true repentance comes when a person is totally convicted of their sin and recognize they're lost and undone without Christ. There is no hope for redemption apart from Jesus Christ. And that crisis of the heart leads you to one particular choice. I've got to make a choice to serve Jesus Christ. And it's so important, I think, particularly from the viewpoint of the West today, where we have been so enormously blessed to the point of being spoiled with with every convenience available to us. Um, if it's not there through money, it's there through modern science, modern medicine, to some degree. Therefore, our, our sense of reliance upon God, I think, has somewhat been hindered. We found, uh, you know, meism as a convenient substitute for a relationship with God. But when suddenly all those things are stripped away, when modern medicine no longer has the answers, when uh, heads of state can't sit down at a table and come to agreement and instead they result or, or resort to, to throwing bombs at each other, boy, suddenly now you, you realize that these are questions and, and issues that are much bigger than the capacity of humankind to resolve and now looking to see where God is on the continuum and where I am in relationship to him becomes ever more important and, and I have to wonder too if if part of this this pruning uh, this this trimming away of of self so that we focus more on on Christ in the centrality of him in our lives is is not perhaps a byproduct of well you mentioned normalcy we've been trying for two years to get back to some semblance of normalcy just as we begin to think okay we think this COVID thing probably has run its course Boom. Biggest war in Eastern Europe since World War II. Once again, upsetting the normalcy. I wonder if part of the message here, Pastor Dooley, give me your insights on this. If part of the message here from God is we're spending too much time trying to get back to something as opposed to we as believers, as the church, focusing on what we're building towards, building towards a relationship with God, building towards not just our occupation here for a season, but our eternal destiny and, and, and working toward laying up those treasures in heaven. Do you think God is trying to overall change our focus? I think you're absolutely right. And I, I'll tell you why. Because I looked up the word realignment means to reorganize. It's a changing of the position of something in relationship to something else. It's a change to restore in a different form or state. It's to be brought back to a proper order or alignment. It's to cause a new form, a new arrangement, to have a new orientation, to create order in the system of our activity. That is what true repentance is. 
It's a crisis that leads us to a change of way in which we live. And I believe you're right. God is using this crisis to call our hearts back to him and put our priorities in the right place. And that is to be soul winners of the kingdom, to reach the lost, and to equip us with a greater hunger and greater desire to be a witness for Jesus in this perverse generation. If you've just joined us, our conversation today with Pastor Russell Dooley, Senior Pastor at Kaleo Christian Fellowship of Oakland. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Very special guest joining us today. He is the Senior Pastor of Kaleo Christian Fellowship in Oakland, Pastor Russell Dooley with us. Let's continue our discussion from where we left off just prior to the break. And as he, as only God can do, strips away all of those distractions, all of those crutches, so to speak, that we often will lean on and and brings us to the point where we singularly rely upon him. Then I believe is when God has, has moved us into the place where he can use us uh, to, to our, our fullest capacity, to our fullest potential. And I'm glad you mentioned, and maybe you can elaborate on this, you, you made reference to the importance of essentially being both salt and light. The church sometimes does a good job on occasions at one or the other, of late, at least from my perspective, it seems like we kind of struggle with the balance in doing both. Salt being that preservative, sometimes we're good at being such a good preservative, we're rubbing salt in the wound, and we completely fail to remember that at the end, while we're working toward being the preservative, we ultimately need to be proclaiming Christ crucified. There are others that focus singularly on that and forget about the fact that we're here, we're citizens of a country that's engaged in self-governance, and so we have to be participatory in, in, in the day-to-day life around us, and, and, and again, in, in, in holding steadfast and proclaiming God's truth. Is that sense of balance something that the Lord is calling us back to and coming back to the fundamentals of the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, at the centrality of what he's asking us to do? I'll explain it to you in this way, and I think it hurt. It, 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 we can do everything in a sense that, for example, I, I, I was serving the Lord as you brought it up. I've been in a pastor for a long time, and I remember this prayer, and I said, "Lord, I've been serving you a long time, and uh, I, I've been serving you a long time, and I know you have a plan for me. I've been serving you." He said, yes, I I know, my son, you've been serving me a long time. But out of those years, you've served me. In reality, you've been doing my will for a shorter time. (laughs) So, Greg, there's a difference of being the church and doing church. Yeah, You know, and we, we get in the church, we get caught up in the programs, we get caught up in the people. But God told me, he said, I'm going to reward you for doing my will. But out of that length of time, out of those years of serving me, were you really living to do my will? And that, that's the crisis point of true conversion. Am I living my life to glorify God or am I living my life just as I want? Pastors are motivated for, uh, they can be motivated for power, for lust, for pride. They can have the biggest church and uh, do everything right. But it can be the wrong motivation in our lives that causes us not to be blessed because we're not concerned about his will. We're more concerned about what 
our will. And, you know, it's it's fascinating that you say that because so often uh, we will get into conversations at church, around the water cooler, uh, with friends and family. We lament what we see going on around us, not just COVID, not just the war in Europe, but what we see taking place in terms of moral decline in the country today, what's going on in, in, in public schools, all of it. And, and we, we shake our heads and say, you know, there's clearly something wrong here. We wish somebody would do something about it. And then when pressed for our role, we say, well, I, I, I listen, I'm a believer. I go to church every Sunday. People can easily demonstrate they understand how to do church. But being the church, not just Sunday mornings at 11 a.m., but the rest of the week, and being that uh, that beacon in shining light into lives that are surrounded by darkness. I have to wonder how different the world would be if we had spent more time focusing on what true discipleship is as opposed to Sunday morning spectatorship and that perhaps what God is really doing here in this shifting or or, or sifting rather of the wheat and the chaff, calling the church back to repentance for ourselves, back to the fundamentals and understanding that the mission that he has assigned us to is not to participate in church as a spectator, but to be the church, and that encompasses a commitment 24-7. I think it demonstrates the power of God. I think it demonstrates the very nature of God's love and compassion for people around. It's like salt. Uh, it, it, it permeates uh, whatever it's put on. And it restrains corruption. And let me just share this with you. Uh, I went to a hospital call to pray for one of our members who had a stroke. And when I went to her room, I ran into a man walking down the hallway. And he said, oh, excuse me, you're Pastor Doolin. Well, I remember this man. He was problematic. And I thought, oh, geez, I want to avoid this man again, <laughs> you know, because I remembered how it was very difficult. And he said, no, no, my wife is in the room. She's been praying and fasting for three days. And her her grandmother is sick and she's in a coma. Could you see and, and could you see her and pray for her? Because she wants her to know Jesus. So oh, okay. So with that being said, I went and prayed for the woman that, that had the stroke. I'm leaving the hospital and they catch me as I'm going and there they are waving their hand. I go into the room and this was a good Catholic woman. She she loved the Lord. And I went in the room and I introduced myself as Pastor Dooley. I shook the hand of uh, the man that was her son. I shook the hand of a woman that was her daughter. Uh, I walked over to the woman. She was in a coma laying in bed. I thought, how am I going to pray for her? I went to her ear because I was going to pray for her. And the woman sat up in bed, raised both arms and said, oh, my God. She came out of the coma, raised both hands up and said, oh, my God. And then I prayed this prayer. Would you repeat this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sinful lifestyle. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. She said that prayer, went back in the coma, later that afternoon passed on the glory. I think it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with the reality of someone touching God who is willing to pray and seek him and be light and salt in a dark uh, dark generation. And those kinds of events, people hear that and say, oh my goodness, that's a miracle. 
we we think that is the the exception to Christianity when it ought to be the norm when we should be walking as Paul spoke of in in the the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings which we're reminded of during this lenten season and recognize that if we're just willing to be vessels used of God to be available when there's a need to respond to be in the word, to be in prayer, to not be spectators of Christianity, but active participants, to be true disciples. I think not only is it incumbent upon the church in this age to really get serious about that, um, but it's going to mean the matter of life or death, eternal life or death, for so many around us. You know, how will they hear unless there be a preacher? And some people think, well, that only refers to Pastor Dooley. You know, he's got the degree. Uh, no, that's each and every one of us to be out there proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we wonder where is our mission field, where where is God calling us to go? I'm just the lowly baker. I'm the guy that drives the UPS truck. I'm the one that checks you out at the grocery store. I think, Pastor, the answer is the mission field is right here. And, and particularly in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's no better example of where we can not only reach every tribe, every tongue, but literally have the possibility of taking the gospel around the globe. If we look at the makeup of the San Francisco Bay region, that opportunity, that mission field, while yes, can be on an airplane with a passport thousands of miles away, but at the same token, it's just out our front door, isn't it? It is. And you know, the most unlikely candidates to receive Jesus are the worst case scenarios. You know, they're, they're castaways. They're people who are lost, people on the street, uh, people. You remember the man that had uh, demonic and he was in the caves and he was in chains and uh, he was being avoided. They locked him up. They put him away. And one day he meets Jesus and Jesus totally transforms his life. It is those kind of individuals who have impact on, on our witness that God can use anybody. But you have to look at them to the eyes of love. And, you know, when you give your heart to Jesus. I mean, really give it. You can never say this gospel doesn't work because the gospel does work. Christ does change life. He will transform you. He will set you free. He will make himself real to you. And the good news of the gospel is he's alive and wants to live in you. If you've just joined us, our conversation today with Pastor Russell Dooley, Senior Pastor at Kaleo Christian Fellowship of Oakland. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our dialogue right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. Very special guest joining us today. He is the senior pastor of Kaleo Christian Fellowship in Oakland, Pastor Russell Dooley with us. Pastor Dooley, I want to come back to what we were discussing just prior to the break. You know, when, when Scripture talks about returning to our first love, I think a big part of that is to be mindful of the fact that while we were yet sinners, he died on our behalf. And that, you know, we all have a past, we have a future as well, certainly the destination is is heaven, but uh, to be mindful of what God has brought us through, and then to share that message. You know, I, I talk to people all the time that say, well, Craig, I've never been to uh, a, 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 a seminary, I, I, I have a terrible memory, I'm not good at memorizing scripture, I don't feel comfortable, um, you know, uh, passing out uh, broadsides on a street corner and street preaching. 
But you know, every one of us has an opportunity to touch the lives around us and just to be a light, just to let the shining uh, example of our own testimony and what God has done in our hearts and lives and sharing that with others. And through that, Holy Spirit will do the rest. I think sometimes we just get so caught up and so so intimidated by this that we think, well, because I don't feel comfortable doing everything, I therefore will do nothing. And there's a big mistake in that. Absolutely. I think you just have to be pliable. And I think that you have to be broken to be pliable. That's the that's the secret of the kingdom. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be a servant. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be lower. The lower you go in the kingdom, the higher God puts you. So the whole process, if am I willing to be what God wants you to be? Am I willing to be salt and light in a community of darkness? Am I willing just to share the love of God with people around me? And that is enough to change the world you live in. Pastor, I want to come full circle and talk a bit about the ministry of Kaleo Christian Fellowship. We mentioned earlier you've been serving there for, uh, my goodness, uh, 35-something years. If folks are new to the San Francisco Bay Area and they're looking for a church home, tell us a bit about what God is doing at Kaleo Christian Fellowship. Well, you know, it's the great reset, right? <laughs> so the dynamics of church is uh, an interesting part. We've got a exciting ministry in church. We've got a youth ministry. Uh, we've got a, a couples ministry, a men's ministry. Uh, we've got the marriage ministry. Uh, we have something for, for everyone there. And uh, we had a kids club, by the way. I, I would mention this. We had a kids club in a local school. And we had it for five years, and we would just read the Bible and, and share Christ with us, with the kids in school. Some of the kids never heard of Jesus. Some of the kids didn't even know how to pray. Some of the kids didn't even know what Jesus was about or who he was. And we were able to reach into a community of, of kids. We were able to give them food that they could eat. We gave them backpacks. Uh, so uh, we've done a lot of things in the community. What we're trying to do now is to reset and not put an agenda on the table to be open to what God has. So we have a Sunday morning service uh, at uh, at 11 o'clock. We have a Wednesday service at, uh, at 730. Uh, as far as that goes, our programs are on Sunday morning for classes that we have. We have a prophetic class. We have a new beginners class. We have a uh, uh, family life class, and uh, we are active in the community by uh, feeding people, helping people in any way we can, and uh, we appreciate all that God is doing for us. Being all things to all men that we might win some. Kaleo Christian Fellowship, by the way, they meet at 7700 Mountain Boulevard in Oakland. Service times, as Pastor Dooley mentioned, are Sundays at 11 a.m., Sunday school classes at 10, Wednesday night, midweek service at 7.30 p.m. And then do you still have the uh, the Bible study of Thursday mornings? Uh, we do a We do a Zoom. Uh, we do a Zoom prayer on Thursday, which is nice. Uh, you can call our office and get the Zoom number, and we would like to pray for you. Listen, we've had some miracles that occur at people who were either sick or afflicted or infirm, and it's been wonderful. We get together, we pray for each other, pray for our nation, uh, something else. We are also on Facebook Live, and if people can't be at church, they can go on Facebook Live to Kaleo Christian Fellowship and get our streaming video, and it's easy to to uh, access, and uh, we can bless them there. We're here to bless uh, our community and bless you. 
And again, more information available on the web at Kaleo CF, then Kaleo Christian Fellowship, Kaleo spelled K-A-L-E-O, Kaleo C-F dot O-R-G. Telephone area 510-569-7576. That's 510-569-7576. And as Pastor Dooley mentioned, uh, service is not only in person at 7700 Mountain Boulevard in Oakland, but also online. So whether you uh, participate in the uh, the digital realm or in the personal realm, you are invited. And if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area, looking for a new church home, I think you'll find it a quite welcoming atmosphere at Kaleo Christian Fellowship. Again, 7700 Mountain Boulevard in the city of Oakland. Pastor Russell Dooley, it has been a delight and an education to spend some time with you today. We appreciate so much your willingness to uh, open your heart and share from the Word. It has been my pleasure to talk with you, Greg, and you're an amazing person and a great knowledge of God's Word, and I'm honored to be on your program. Again, our thanks to Pastor Russell Dooley, Senior Pastor at Kaleo Christian Fellowship in Oakland. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.